Winters get long in the great white north, don't they? Cabin fever is a real thing. And we thought we knew what cabin fever felt like before COVID winter time. A pandemic makes the old idea of cabin fever seem tame. We should have a competition among all of us at First Lutheran. Being cooped up in my house during COVID winter made me feel so bored. How bored? I, and then you could fill in the blank and tell us the weird, strange things you never thought you'd end up doing that you've done. You know, my wife could say, I learned how to, how to make sourdough bread. Or I could say, I actually got excited to rent a wood splitter so that I could spend an afternoon splitting and stacking wood. My kids could say, we were so bored. How bored? We now think dad's jokes are funny. It's been hard times. A couple weeks ago, my family was so bored. How bored were they? Well, we actually looked forward to this. As soon as school was done, we hopped in the car and we drove two-plus hours to St. Paul, Minnesota, knowing we'd never leave the car. The whole idea was to drive through St. Paul's Winter Carnival. That's how they did their Winter Carnival this year. It was a drive-through at the state fairgrounds. There, they displayed ice sculptures Snow sculptures, the best one was of the Mandalorian, which is incredible. And, of course, one butter sculpture. That's real. Uh, The Winter Carnival Princess has her likeness carved into butter, which may sound silly, but I can't say it's silly because I'm the one who drove two-plus hours to see it, right? So I can't judge. Anyway, my point is, we go to great efforts to entertain ourselves in the winter. When I was a kid in Medford, Wisconsin, they, like many small towns have a mill pond right in the center of town. The Black River goes through there, and it was given a small reservoir that collected before a very tiny dam. And that pond would, of course, freeze over each winter. So again, like many small towns up north, the local Lions Club or Kiwanis or some, I'm not sure what do-gooding group would do this, but they'd put a heavy barrel out on that ice, and they'd sell tickets all over town for months. For $5, you could guess the day and the time when the barrel was going to fall through. The person who guessed closest to the actual exact time won something big. I actually don't remember, but typically it was like a a new TV or maybe it was a car or something. Everybody in town, once the days warmed up, would change, of course, the course of how they were getting to places because you had to drive by to see if the ice was, you know, thinning out in that part of the pond. Because it was inevitable that that barrel was going to sink. It was just a matter of time. That's the image I want to get in your mind for this sermon. It's a sermon about Jesus as he in his day was a heavy barrel. Healing, teaching, preaching on thin ice. And it's a sermon about how those who faithfully follow Jesus are on thin ice too. God makes us into heavy barrels. Peter represents all of us in the Gospel of Mark, especially this section. His reactions, his misunderstandings, his assumptions, they're all completely understandable. This text is known for how Peter rebukes Jesus and then Jesus rebukes Peter, but the text we just heard has a really important piece that comes just before it that explains why this rebuking happens. Jesus, up to this point in Mark, has been healing, 
all kinds of outcasts and needy people. It's been amazing. He is a miracle worker time and time again. And not just that, he's also very clever, very smart. Like so smart, he can outdo the most clever, the most powerful Pharisees and scribes of the day. After each and every time they butt heads, or they enter into a war of words, I should say, Jesus comes out looking wise and faithful, while the, the authorities come off as selfish and small. So far in Mark's gospel, that's all Jesus does. He heals, and there are these debates. Until, Peter says just before our reading for today, that you are the Messiah. Then Jesus began to teach. Peter has seen and heard amazing things, and so he's able to confess that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's a big moment, obviously, followed by this this next big moment, though. Because Mark says, then Jesus began to teach them. Isn't it interesting to hear this familiar text that Jesus wasn't even going to begin teaching until they were far enough along the journey to call him Messiah? Jesus must have known that immediately upon being called that title, he was going to need to define that title for them. Because, of course, what Peter thinks Messiah means is anointed one. That is what it literally means, anointed by God. But the idea of Messiah is rooted in King David. Back on June 30th, Last year, a group of us at First Lutheran, we call ourselves Bible readers, we began a one-year odyssey through the Bible. The goal is to read every word by committing to five days a week for a year. You can jump in midstream if you'd like. Right now, we're deep into Kings and Chronicles, and we've read a lot about a couple decent kings and then way more about way more not-so-good kings. Right now, we're in the parts leading into Elijah and Elisha, the prophets. And one of the reasons I really like being a Bible reader is I get to see the connections between the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, and our New Testament that typically we're more familiar with. That John the Baptist, for example, is described as wearing camel's hair and looking kind of wild and wearing a belt around his waist and eating grasshoppers, that image of a prophet is built on the Old Testament's description of Elijah. And so the Hebrew imagination, well, for us, it's like, what do you see or feel when I say someone is presidential? I mean, there is no one picture in the dictionary of what a a president is supposed to look like or be like, but each of us has ideas in our mind's eye about what presidential means, right? Does presidential mean the person has to be a certain age or a certain height or a certain gender or a certain weight? Is she or he supposed to sound a certain way? Is there a certain gravitas that is supposed to come with being presidential? Messiah strikes similar kinds of sights and sounds in the Hebrew imagination. And that image is rooted in their perception of King David through the stories they read that are about King David. Did times get tough for David, the anointed one, the Messiah? Yeah, sometimes. But overall, the idea is that an anointed one, a Messiah anointed by the Lord, would be favored. 
favored beyond what anyone can describe. Peter, when he says, I think you're the Messiah, and then Jesus doesn't say he's wrong, Peter's thinking, well, I'm in for a pretty cool ride. I mean, lucky me. This is going to be kind of great. Peter thinks Jesus is like a majestic monument who will stand very securely on a hill, almost like a revered object. But we know Jesus is a heavy barrel on thin ice. And that's what Jesus has to tell everybody. So he tells them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders, be killed after three days, rise again. And Peter's reaction is our reaction. Like, that can't be right. Messiah, you're a a wall, an impenetrable wall. You're a, a fortress no one could ever take. You're the water that breaks through the enemy's rocks. You don't go suffer, die, and rise. What are you talking about? And that's when Jesus rebukes Peter, because Peter doesn't understand it yet. He's in the process of being taught. And Jesus' lesson is this. My mission is not to stand securely on some hill for everybody for me to just look at. My mission is to heal. My mission is to call out corruption, to turn the powers of this world upside down. The marginalized shall be brought in, and those who are already in need to be humbled for their own sake. I, Jesus, have not come to be some monument that will be celebrated by the powerful. I've come to lift up the lowly, heal the sick, make the blind to see, offer grace to all. And that's going to disrupt the powers that are. My work will upset the authorities. They will use their law and order against me. It's just a matter of time because I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to dial down my ministry of healing and wholeness for all when the powerful few get upset that I love the powerless as much as anyone else. I am a heavy barrel on thin ice. It is just a matter of time. And then Jesus turns from his disciples and he calls the whole crowd in. And he says, he wants to teach everybody, if any want to become my followers... Be a barrel on the thin ice of this world with me. For those who want to stay safe on shore and try to be a monument that others are impressed by, they'll never truly live. But those who live for my sake, who follow my mission, which is to point out the injustices of the world in favor of the kingdom of God where grace reigns, not corruption or lies, where mercy is the goal, not punishment and vengeance, those who follow me, As surely as it's just a matter of time before I fall through the ice, so will you. And in so doing, you, heavy barrel, will be tied to me. Sink with me, and we will rise together. That's the invitation. He just lays it out there that this world only offers thin ice for us Jesus-following heavy barrels. Start talking about the injustices of our nation and see how respectfully powerful people respond. This past Thursday, Pastor Karen and I were in a continuing education event together. It was about racism. 
personal, systemic, and all kinds. Just recounting the factual history of things in this nation has become a controversial thing to do. I mean, talk about thin ice. Vaccinations, there's another topic that gets pretty thin. Or whether we need to, as a church, keep loving our most vulnerable neighbors by staying safe at home. Oh, there's a lot of thin ice. And so many of us think the church is simply supposed to steer clear from all these thin ice spots. Just stay where it's safe. We just want the church to be a source of comfort. And it is, of of course, for sure. But the comfort comes from knowing that no matter how heavy my barrel is, no matter how thin the ice is, when I fall through, not if, when, I will rise again with that first and heaviest barrel, Jesus. Thanks be to God. Stay heavy, my friends. Amen.